Welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I am Ross. And I am Gordon. And thanks very much for tuning in, folks. We'll talk to you again soon. No, I guess not. I'd be a little quick. It was a good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Highly informative. <laughs> okay, we'll do a real one. So this episode, we'll explore the different types of tripod heads. Looking at the ups and downs of the different types to give you the criteria to help you select the one or ones that suit you best. Uh, this topic seems to come around fairly regularly. Uh, it does. And it's a good thing. Because as more people take up photography with interchangeable lens cameras, they realize at some point the need for a tripod. But sadly, they're often misled in stores, and the online stores are more concerned with selling than guiding. Maybe summarize for the audience the different types of tripod heads. Okay. But maybe before we get into the, to the types, we should explore the obvious for the listener and determine what they would expect a tripod head to do. And I, I, say, I put it like this because we go into a store, we look at a tripod, we see a head and we assume that it's going to do everything we want it to. And maybe it doesn't. So the first thing it should do is attach to the camera and then attach the whole contraption to the tripod legs, preferably very firmly. Once attached, it should get the camera level. The obvious here is to get the legs level. However, this is usually not as easy as it seems, and it's mostly fiddly. So determine how the head is going to handle this issue. And the third point, and I'm sure there are others that I have not mentioned or will not mention, not all images are made in the landscape view. So the buyer needs to assess how the head will allow them to switch from the landscape to a portrait view and position the camera in a vertical view. And for this, I say, refer back to point number one, which says firmly. So keeping that in mind, there are three primary designs. There is the ball head. There's the pan and the tilt head, sometimes with a flip mechanism, and a gimbal head. And of course, I should say at this point that for this discussion, we are separating the word tripod into tripod legs and a tripod head. And these are different discussions in their own right. So all of the above can be useful in different conditions, but many people would naturally want to get started with just one. And of course, to do that, you have to make sure that the tripod you get has a removable head, or if you are buying a leg set alone, that it has a proper head mounting plate. Everything that you say is 100% true, but I want to echo a couple of things again. That word you used, the F word, firmly. Firmly, definitely firmly, yes. That means no wobble, 
no shape, no bobble when you're moving it. Firmly means rigid because you want, don't want those vibrations transferring back and forth through your images because that would be bad. Um, you also talked to about the importance of camera leveling. Now, yes. When you say camera level and tripod level and legs level, you're talking about the camera itself being level in two planes. Yes. Forward and backwards. Yes. And left and right. Correct. So a bi what you're talking about is very much a bi-directional leveling mechanism. Yes. Now, many cameras today have electronic levels built into them. Can we use those in conjunction with the tripod head? Absolutely. To achieve, achieve leveling? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, I don't know about achieving level. We can use them to tell you whether you're level. Whether you achieve it or not, separate issue. Okay, that's good clarification. You also made the distinction that we're separating head from leg sets. And leg sets are absolutely their own conversation. Now, to be overly simplistic, I'll tell you what to look for and save you some time. You're looking for a set of carbon fiber legs that extend to about chin height without the use of a center column. Now, I'm pretty sure that that highly particular description will annoy some folks. But facts are facts. You want to avoid using a center column? You want something that's light enough to carry that you're going to use it and not leave it buried in the closet. And you want a material that is rigid enough that it's going to hold the camera steady, but it is also not going to transfer a lot of vibrations. If you put it on the road, for example, and cars driving by are going to generate vibration and they're going to run up, right up a set of aluminum legs. Yep. Mm-hmm. So someone I heard once said that you should buy your last tripod first. Now, the same principle applies to the tripod head. And the truth is, I did not do this. The first head that I owned fell apart. The second one didn't hold the appropriate weight. And this went on and on and on. And all of the, every head I, I bought cost me more money. And by the time I got to the last head, I was through with a lesson in inflation. Because by the time I bought the final head that I was going to keep, it, it cost me already three or four times more than I would have paid for it in the first place. So the principle holds true. Get the best head that you can afford. And if you've got to stretch it a little bit, make sure you can afford it. But get the best head without cutting corners. So having said all that, so let's look at the generally preferred tripod head that we hear the most about for still photography. And that is the ball head. Okay, let's do that. A ball head comes in one of two design structures. In the most common... The ball is in a cylinder that mounts to the tripod and then the camera plate that holds the camera is on a post extending up out of the ball. These are the ball heads that we see most often when we look in the stores. The second design, it's upside down. Mm -hmm. It's that little leg 
that mounts to the tripod mounting plate. And then the ball sits on top of it and the camera mounts directly to the ball itself. There's something not quite right with this. It's a different design model, but it absolutely functions very well. So if I understand you rightly, the second design is more flush structurally than the first. It doesn't stick up as much. It's lying flat on on the the contact point with the tripod? I think that that's, it's really hard to describe until you look at one. But if we think of a traditional ball head, type one, right? the base is very wide. Yes. And the cylinder that holds the ball is probably the tallest part of the head. Uh, yes. In the other version, the mount will be, we'll have a plate that's as wide as the tripod mounting area right but then a thinner stock on which the ball orbits right and you're you're right when you say that hard to describe makes sense when you look at it so the the one that i own is the standard ball head but i have to admit that every time i read a camera journal or something and I see advertisements for this second type, that whole design system intrigues me. Who who makes who makes what in this bald head type one, type two, let's call them. Okay, that's fair. Uh in in that first design, the prevalent design, yes. There's all kinds of so called manufacturers, but I'm gonna stick with my focus on the ones that I would recommend because they're the ones I'd buy myself. And there will be ball heads from folks like Gitzo for really right stuff. There are two makers of professional grade ball heads that use that first design model. The reason I look to those two brands goes back to what you said about buying one ball head. Yes. Not a series of ball heads that don't do the job till you get to the one that you wanted in the first place. Right. Um, these types of heads, this first design, depending upon the maker, can be as simple as having a single control that locks the head position from a panning, a tilt perspective, uh, any tr- flipping or trim type of perspective. That one control sounds wonderful, but it's... They're harder to get things exactly where you want them to be because you have to be doing three-dimensional controls on a single lock. Yes. Others will have separated the ball lock and the pan lock. So you can lock the camera in a particular orientation level. Yes. But then loosen off the pan control if you're doing a panorama. Yes. And maintain your level as you would wish to. And some of them will even add a friction control So you don't have to lock everything down completely, but it can apply a level of friction for when you are panning and or tilting so the thing doesn't flop around, you know, like it's, you know, a five pound weight on the end of a stick. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of having ball lock, pan lock, friction control. And we find those in the, these higher, yeah, higher grade, better quality heads. Uh, there's no arms and levers 
extending out of the head. It's a very compact build structure. Yeah, and all, all the things that you mentioned are, are, in my experience, bang on the money because uh, with some of the heads that I got, as soon as you lo loosen the control, then the, tri the camera falls forward or if you're trying to get it to move so that you can pan or try to do a panorama of some variety, it's virtually impossible because you can't keep you can't keep the camera level uh, so your horizon keeps shifting and uh, when you go to stitch the images they don't come together that well so it makes complete sense to me to have even if you don't have a friction control but if you have the ball head control separated from the panning control so that you can lock one but move the other it makes a lot of sense what about the other head that you were described? Uh, I don't recall seeing any of these in any of the stores around here. Well, that's very true because there are fewer makers of this type of head. And they're sometimes referred to as planetary mounts. Think of the planet on a, on a stick. Um, to the best of my knowledge, uh, the first maker was Arca Swiss with a product called the Monoball P0. Uh, they've done these for many years and they've got them in different levels of sophistication that determine the number of controls. The nice thing about it is it puts the panning portion right under the camera. Whereas in the other design, the panning portion is at the tripod plate and the camera is elevated well above that. In that case, some people find it more useful if they're doing panoramas, particularly if they're on uneven ground. Now, most camera mounting areas should have or will have bubble levels, or you'll be able to use the leveling system in the camera to help keep that camera platform level. But again, I think closer to the movement might be advantageous in some scenarios. The ball control itself is on the ball directly, so you can easily control the orientation. Now, the Arcas, for the longest time, appeared to be the only heads that were readily available. But a couple of years ago, uh, the folks who make the Platypod started a Kickstarter campaign for two new heads of this design called Platyballs. If you've never dealt with a Kickstarter project, it's not a store. You're funding something not existing. So there's always a bit of a risk. The product doesn't come to fruition and you're never going to get your money back. Because it's not a store, there's also no product. So it's going to take a little bit of a time, a little time before the product shows up. In the case of the Platyball, it's a great product, but it took a lot longer to show up. Like I probably waited two and a half years after paying in full. Okay. Yep. Um, so you got to think about how quickly do I really want this stuff? It's a fine product, but had I known it was going to be two and a half years, I probably would have just bought an Arca Monoball. Right, sure. What would make someone choose one design over the other? Is there anything to separate them in terms of their function? Other than mentioning where the 
controls up. I really think it comes down to that. I mean, obviously, when we pick a tripod head, we have consistent criteria regardless of the design structure in the ball head, for example. Okay. We want to make sure that it's going to be able to handle about twice the weight of the camera with our largest lens on that ball head. So if the ball head says it supports two pounds, then in reality, your camera and biggest lens may not, better or not, <laughs> weigh more than a pound. Right. Otherwise, you're going to be in Wobble City, population U. And I don't think that's appropriate. So one of the things that we get when we buy one of these better quality ball heads is weight capacity. Right. Now, we separated leg sets out, so we also have to look at the capacity of the leg set. Right. And sometimes finding out this information can be difficult, particularly if it's a white label, house brand right. product. Right. And you say, well, how much weight can this hold? Okay. Let's talk about... Okay. No, let's not. <laughs> let's not. Let's you answer the question. Uh, and most of the time they can't. After you determine that you've got weight stability, do I have the controls I want? Right. Do I have that separate ball and hand control that you and I both think is very important? Mm -hmm. You decide, do I want or need a friction control? Right. And then you're going to look for that in your design. And then at that point, once you've answered those questions, then if you've got options in either side of the ball head field that can still satisfy those criteria, then it comes down to personal choice whether you want the traditional design or the planetary design. Right. Just do buy your last tripod head first. Yep. And know that a good tripod head is going to be a few hundred dollars, mm -hmm. at least. Yep. But it's going to last a lifetime. Whereas a no-name head, what we refer to as a white label, is going to cause you many issues. As many of them have very sloppy mounts, lots of slack in their locks, and as you say, break. Right. In this case, when it comes to a quality tripod head, you absolutely get what you pay for. We, we can talk about all of this, but I think what it really boils down to is for, first digest what we've said, but then take your camera, your heaviest camera with your heaviest lens, and go to some place that actually has a tripod a tripod and a tri and a tripod head put your camera on it and move things around because you will not know what works and what doesn't work for you until you actually do it you may have a friction head and you may say this is wonderful and then you try to move it and you say this is not so wonderful so you won't know until you actually put your camera on a tripod. You don't have to go and buy one. You know, find a friend who's got a halfway decent one, put it on there and see if that works for you, then you answer to your question. I think that's great advice. If you do go to a store that has a good tripod selection and a good, when I say tripod, I mean head selection and leg set selection, mm -hmm. you want to go at a time 
when you're going to have the ability to screw around with this stuff. Yes. And you don't want a sales guy or a sales lady hovering over you. My advice, start with the most expensive stuff. Right. Because you're going to get a real clear picture of what true quality is like. Yep. And then you can step it down to try to reach your budget. And you'll know really fast what you're giving up on. Yep. And then you're going to be able to make a decision and say, yeah, that's perfectly okay with me. Or no, you know what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to save a little bit more money yep. so I can allocate more money to my heads and to my leg set. Right. Because remember, salespeople are not bad, but they want to close the transaction. Sure. And they know how do they close the transaction? Push the cheapest one. Right. And I'm sorry, I worked in a camera store part-time for many years and I saw it regularly. Sure. I think that's 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 good advice. Uh, start at the top, work your way downwards. So when I first started off on photography, most of all the tripod heads that I looked at looked something like an octopus. They had arms coming out of pretty much everywhere. And I'm saying, well, what? This sounds like a very complex thing to be doing. Why? Why would I want to do this? So maybe you could elucidate. I'm not sure about it, that that whole army of tripods, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, the army of arms? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The challenge with a lot of these designs is these heads with arms, which will now forevermore be referred to as octopi, <laughs> uh, were designed to support movie cameras first and then adopted later for stills use. Now, when shooting a movie, you want a smooth pan. And you get the smoother pan by using the pan arm rather than touching the camera directly. And the longer the arm, the finer the quality of the pan movement. So you start to see these octopi with really long arms. Mm -hmm. That would facilitate wonderful smooth pans. And then you would also find a slightly shorter arm, the tilt arm, to tilt the camera forward or backwards. Because, again, that's something you're going to do filming a movie. Right. You're going to change that orientation. And you may have to do both movements at the same time. Right. So you may have to pan left, tilt down. Right. And you want those longer arms to make that happen because you want it to be smooth. Wonderful stuff. Not designed for stills. Right. Now, you can use them for stills, and they were sold as stills cameras, or still camera tripods, pardon me, for a long, long time. But the challenge with that is alignment, as you said, the positioning, the locking. It takes a lot longer, and it's more fussy than with a ball head. Plus, you have to be able to reach around those arms to get to the camera itself to make your settings. And, oh my goodness, if you... You want to get your eyeball up to that viewfinder, <laughs> you may be taking a spike in the chest. And right. that's annoying because of the tip over thing that happens. And then you brought up earlier the need for the camera to be able to go vertical. Right. Well, those first octopi <laughs> didn't have that. Right. So they made the head of the octopus floppy and gave it a 90 degree flip plate. 
So you could have perfectly horizontal or perfectly vertical. Oh, and then you could have anywhere in between. In between, I'm sure. But man, you're managing all kinds of different torques and weights. And it's just, it's just a pain it, in the tuckus. Uh, and like we have said before on things like camera bags, it is seldom that one will do everything for every use. And that's fairly true. Now, if you are doing video, one of these pan tilt heads is absolutely what you want because you want smooth movements in your video. And I think they're good for video, but they need some criteria. Those movements need to be fluid damp because you want them to be smooth and you don't want them to fly out of the zone you want to move them. Right. It's kind of like having a friction control, right. but the friction is fluid-based. So right. it's always working almost against the movement, and that helps to keep it really smooth. Now, if you're looking for a great video head, you can absolutely get them. I'm going to suggest you look at the video fluid heads from folks like Manfrotto or Sockler, because a quality video head will make the difference between Successful video and not, but a quality video head will not be found for $30. You're looking right. at 300 bucks and up right. for a decent fluid head. So you've got a video head now that price-wise uh, matches the ball head. And if you, if you are interested in both forms uh, of uh, photography, then, yep, well, there goes the budget. That's reality, right? I would like a wide-angle shot and a telephoto shot. Oh, yes. Okay. I might actually need two lenses. There you go. I think where you were going with the, with your discussion on the video heads, would would you think that one of them is any good for still... Not not any good. They are, they are good. But are they easily adaptable, the video heads, to doing stills? Uh, to keep things as simple as possible... The answer is no. Well, you, that, is, that is as simple as possible, yes. You, you can do it, but it's not optimal. And a true video head will never have the ability to flip to the vertical orientation. Because the base plate's going to be big and wide. Right. And it no flip on his side. So I would say no. So while you're on the to topic of uh, the, the heads and moving and the damping, uh, I've heard some photographers who said they, they don't use this next head that I'm going to talk about, which is called a gimbal. They don't use those, but they use fluidic heads. So when they mentioned that, it seemed to me like the fluidics was... Uh, a hydraulic, some sort of control that sort of resembled a friction head. Yeah. Is that something that uh, should be considered if you were going to consider something other than a ball head, or even if you were considering a ball head? Personally, I can't see the logic in it. And the reason I say that is because in those situations, I'm shooting stills. Right. I want to make an, ori an orientation shift as quickly and as smoothly as I can. Right. 
dampening slows everything down. By design, that's what it's supposed to do. Reduce jerkiness. So I don't, you know, I, I listened to you when you said, hey, I've heard this and I've read this and I'm, maybe I'm missing something, but I'm not seeing any benefit to that at all. Okay. And the, well, the reason I brought that up is uh, the next head we are going to talk about. And that's something that's called a gimbal head. Now, I know these heads reasonably well because I use them for action photography, let's say. Uh, bird photography, aircraft, or car races, whatever. And... Um, I'm willing to bet that when we started talking about these, most people would not know what a gimbal head means. Uh, I, I know I certainly didn't. Somebody said, well, you want to go shoot birds? Well, get a, get a gimbal head. Uh, okay, I can, I can do that. Uh, what is a gimbal head? You brought up the point of the dampening slows all the motion down, whereas the gimbal head does exactly the opposite. It allows fast fluid movement so you can track whatever the object is that that's moving. Right. And I think that I think that's probably the best reason why someone would think about a gimbal head. I'm dealing with a subject that isn't going to sit around right. and wait for me to get my stuff bolted together. You know, when we think about a gimbal, we, who uses them? Well, you talked about it. Bird photographers, sports shooters, people doing racing, people doing air shows. Because what's the common constituent of that? A big, long lens. Yep. And the big, long lens implies a direct relationship to weight. <laughs> yes. Which creates a direct relationship to muscle tremor and exhaustion. And you try to hold up my 1DX with the 500 and a two-times converter yep. without rapidly turning into a worm. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. So when you start to think about that, I've got a big heavy camera with a big heavy lens. And I want to be able to follow the bird or the race car or the aircraft. Right. And I want to be able to track it with just by moving the camera. Right. But without having to carry the weight of the camera while I'm doing that. Sure. And that's what a gimbal head is designed to do. So it's a case of two bases. Okay. The first base mounts right to the tripod mount. And you could think of that as your pan base. Okay. And that's your left to right, twisty aroundy. Right. So, so the pan base is sort of uh, like, sort of like a C-arm or? Um... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it actually more like an L. L on, okay. Right? So it mounts to the tripod mount, and then it comes out, and then it comes and up. And then it goes vertical, okay. And at the top of that L, there's another pan. Okay. Another base that holds another bracket. Right. Probably shaped like an L. Doesn't have to be, but that's common. Right. And it controls the tilt. Right. Forward and backward. Forward and back. Looks so like I've got, a swing. Like a swing. But now I've got two dimensions controlled. I've got forward and back and left and right. Right. All in one piece. And remember, we talked about long lenses. Most long lenses have feet. Yep. 
feet to mount to a tripod. Right, as not opposed the other to, kind. Not the other kind that require expensive sneakers. So we mount the lens, not the camera. Right. We mount the lens to the gimbal. Right. And any decent gimbal has a sliding mount. Yep. Why? So we can balance the camera lens combination on the gimbal. So even with the heads unlocked, the camera holds its position in its normal balanced orientation. It doesn't nose forward. It doesn't nose up. doesn't nose down. doesn't start spinning or twisting. You know, get that panning base level, like you talked about, mm -hmm. and the camera's just going to sit there. But now if I'm tracking that bird or that race car, all I'm doing is I'm just pushing the camera around and the gimbal's bearing all the weight. Yep. That allows me as the photographer to focus on my subject, track it properly, compose as I wish. Yep. And I'm going to be more successful and get more shots. Yep. It's going to be less spray and pray. Yep. Yes, it's more to carry. But it's also the difference between keepers mm -hmm. and not keepers. So the idea of mounting that lens instead of the camera works to get you that balance. And it, and it works really, really well. It's, uh, you, uh, when you first get it, you, you hook the camera up and you find that it's not doing uh, what it should. But then if you actually read the instructions uh, or maybe watch a video or two and you get the idea of the balance point, uh, it's it's quite a revelation to put your pointy camera upwards, uh, making this a distinction out here that when I say point your camera upwards, you're not tightening any knobs. Right. So nothing on this system is tight. It spins, it turns up and down, it goes forward, backwards, points up, points down. And you don't have to stop and tighten anything because where you leave that lens pointing is where it should stay. If you've debalanced it properly, mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to hold its position pretty darn well. And why don't you want to lock it down? Because things are going to move. Right. It's that simple. You know, oh, I think I'm going to go f photograph sandhill cranes. They see you with a giant great lens. They're going to go, whoa. I'm going to wait until he pulls the trigger on that one. <laughs> Blows my head clean off. Yep, Not going to happen. They're gone. So, yeah, huge benefit. Right. So, so far we've covered, I think we've covered pretty much everything on this one. We've covered the ball head, which is, that is really the most common one. And for, unless you're doing something really fancy, the ball head is probably the way to go. It'll do pretty much everything you want it to do, even video, I think. Not the fancy dancy video, but, uh, you know, Johnny playing in the backyard. If you lock it down and you open up the, the panning, just follow him around the backyard as much as you want. So it will do within limits pretty much everything that you want it to do. Most of them will have one, maybe two controls for the essential functions. Can have more if you're a sucker for punishment, but uh, you don't have to. And it, and it works well. 
they are lightweight most of the time and very effective. The, the I'm going to say older or in this case more cinematically oriented uh, octopi octopi are good for what they're designed for. I've never used one uh, except when I first started with the octopi sticking out and uh, then the gimbal. And let's face it, uh, a gimbal will not fit all lenses because if you have a short lens that does not have a, a mounting foot on it, uh, chances are you will have difficulty mounting it on a gimbal. You can count on having a ball head and if you're doing action of any variety, you can count on getting the best use possible out of a gimbal. It's not absolutely essential. It is a convenience. It does make life easy and makes an air show less of something to be afraid of and quite enjoyable. And you're not going to get all that muscle and back strain. Yep. Trying to hold that long lens out in front of you for two hours. Yep. Like, no matter how light your camera is, you're yeah, holding it away from your body. Yeah, for any you're you're time. holding five pounds of stuff. You're, you're going to know about it. Yeah. Uh, you'll get tired and you'll start to shake. Yep. And that means turns into micro shake in your, in your shots. So go ahead. Take the, take the tripod with the gimbal head. Yep. And as you say correctly you haven't had cause to use a proper video head i use not them correct. when i do professional video and i cannot exist without them but the, not everybody does that and not everybody does that just like not everybody does sports or birding right that's why we think the ball head is the right head for everybody to start with yep. okay anything we missed Probably. I don't think so. So, thank you to all our listeners. My apologies if you're asleep. And uh, until next time, I'm Gordon. And I am Ross. And if they're asleep, well, they won't be hearing this anyway. <laughs> they, they won't hear what we said anyway. So. Thank you for listening to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. We will speak to you again soon.